Welcome to Sobriety Checkpoint. I'm your host, Felicia Hermley. I'm a 12-stepper turned therapist. I'm married and I have two littles under five. I love Jesus, but have had my fair share of struggling with church culture and religion. I know what it's like to be stuck in a restless, irritable, and discontent rut, drunk and sober. In this podcast, you're going to find solutions to navigating mental health, spirituality, and relationships to experience the peace you've been craving. It's time for that desperately sought after solo target run. Grab your keys and let's go for a drive. There's no judgment or breathalyzer at this sobriety checkpoint. Thank you so much for being here with me. Uh, Today I have Stefan Edom on the podcast. Stefan is a certified life coach, a devoted father, passionate about life and nature, love and kindness. He has always wanted to help people, and now as a life coach, he can focus on helping other parents have a more loving and fulfilling relationship to themselves. Outside of coaching and other work, he loves to spend time with his daughter. They love going on big and small adventures together, be it exploring in nature, dancing, and being silly in the grocery store or movie night at home. He also loves to spend time in nature by himself, where he finds inner peace and connection to the world and himself. So today on the podcast, Stefan is going to be talking about being a present parent. I'm really excited to have him talk about this topic. Um, I know that this is a really huge issue in general, just being present. It's really hard to be present. Sometimes it's really hard to be present with, with our kids. And there's a huge learning curve after after getting sober. Using alcohol and drugs is a really great way to to not be present. And then after we get sober, it's it's a learning curve to figure out, okay, how do we be present with ourselves and with our kids? So, uh, Stefan, thank you so much for being here with me today. And I'm hoping that you can maybe just tell us a little bit about, about yourself, maybe a, a brief background on kind of what, what it was like for you before, before getting into recovery. First of all, thank you for having me, Felicia. Uh, it's lovely to see you again. So my... So- background like the way I was drinking I wasn't drinking uh, all the time or every day or things like that was more how I was when I was drinking and when I got to a certain point I I didn't stop and then I could either be most of the time I would be just you know a funny drunk guy in a sense uh, if you can call it that and then but then every now and again there would be either uh, aggression in the picture or depression or you know borderline suicidal at times so i finally realized that i i think i knew i had a problem for a while uh with alcohol or when i consumed alcohol uh, but it took a long time for me to sort of accept that i can't manage it and i just need to stop so yeah finally finally that sort of light went up for me and i made a decision to cut just give up alcohol and just be sober. That How long ago was that? Um, just over four years now. Celebrated four years in September. Congratulations. So, yeah, thank yeah. you. Feels great. Yeah. I think that sort of way of drinking is quite common, amongst, especially amongst young people. 
you know, when often when people think of an alcoholic or someone with an alcohol problem, they're thinking about, you know, like a, a wino or something in the streets and that pretty much a homeless person in scruffy clothes and drunk 24 seven, but that's not necessarily it. You can drink once a year and have a problem with alcohol or and you could drink every weekend and not have that problem, same problem that some, some of us have. Right. So, yeah. Was there something in particular that happened four years ago that was kind of like the turning point for you? Yeah. So that was with my girlfriend at the time I had, we had an, an episode or where I had been drinking too much and I became aggressive. I I remember it so from like a bird's eye view, like like it wasn't like it wasn't me that was doing I was sort of observing what was happening um from a bird's eye view or you know from outside of my body, like the way I remember it. But essentially it was yeah, a lot of screaming, yelling, blaming her for a lot of the negative thoughts that I was carrying about myself, so putting it all on her. So in in hindsight, I can see that I was yelling at myself or, you know, be angry at myself, but I was putting it all on her. So she became the focus focal point of my anger or my frustration and, and, and everything. And um, that made me realize that I need first the first plan was to say, I'm going to take a break from alcohol, like not have a drop for a few months. And then later on, I will limit myself to one to two, maybe three units or, you know, beers or pints, whatever you want to call it, uh, and keep to that. Um, and I started therapy just after that happened, because I realized that I had these issues that I was, I was unresolved issues that I needed to deal with. Um, so I can backtrack a little bit further, uh, in my early twenties, I went to like anger management therapy for four years and there I sort of learned to, uh, look for red flags when, if I was going out drinking, which I did quite a lot in my early twenties and uh, late teens, um, to look for red flags. Have I had any episodes in this week that could flare up when I drink, say I've had a bad day on a Monday that could come out in one way or another on a Friday or a Saturday if I got drunk. And over time, you know, I felt like I had, yeah, got, got this covered, you know, not many incidents, not much happening. Uh, so sort of started to get less and less strict on strict on the red flags and looking for them. So, well, that, which led to this, uh, this episode happening and, um, yeah, realized the unresolved issues needed to be dealt with. So I started therapy and I went to uh, some meetings where I sat listening and hearing the stories from others in the meetings. I, you know, I could recognize myself. Like, oh, that's the way I think. That's the way my brain works. And these were people who may have, you know, been drinking in a completely different way. But I realized that, you know, that was me. A lot of the people in there, or most of them. So then I made a decision after a couple of meetings that, oh, no, I'm not going back. There's no point in trying to limit, limit the consumption and just quit completely. And then, yeah. So that's, awesome. that's where I am. Yeah. Yeah. So you were able to, to go to meetings and, and see yourself in, in some of yeah. the people's stories. And then instead of the original plan, which was to, you know, maybe after a couple of months, 
you know, limit your drinking, you decided to to stop. So, and it's been four years now. If you could, how old your daughter? Uh, she's five. Five. Okay. Yeah. So she was, she was one when you got sober. Yes. Yeah. Okay. One and a bit. Yeah. All right. Can you talk about, I guess, being a dad before sobriety and after sobriety? How has that been for you? Um, I think just as a whole, uh, sobriety has, you know, it, it forces us to to be present with ourselves and with our feelings and we can't numb it with the drink anymore or with, you know, a substance of sorts. So you're sort of forced to sort to face it head on and, and deal with it. So through therapy or you could do it, you know, talking about it with friends or you know, meditation, whatever, you know, works for the individual. Um, have to find a way to deal with these things rather than push them aside, get drunk, and then it come out in a horrible way or in a magnified, uncontrollable way. Um, so I think it took me about took about a year, I think, after I stopped drinking before I started feeling any sort of health benefit out of it. It was just all of a sudden I felt, I feel good. I feel lighter. I feel more positive. Even though, like I said, I wasn't drinking every day. It wasn't necessarily every week. So, uh, yeah, it took a while before I sort of noticed the, the effect of not having alcohol. Well, I really like that you touched on that, that it, you know, after about a year is when you realized. Because I think that, you know, I hear from from people a lot where they don't recognize any differences and, and it, it's almost like, okay, well, might as well go back and keep drinking. So I love the fact yeah. that you touched on, on, you know, the, your process after a year, you started noticing that things were different because I feel like that, that comment there can give hope to people to just keep on, keep on doing the deal and keep moving forward in their, in their recovery. I hope so. Um, yeah. It, ta- it can take a long time, but it's, it's worth it in the end. Um, I I just, whenever I think about sobriety, I think about a quote from a man called Brandon Novak. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he was part of like the, the jackass crew. Um, and I, I just love his quote. He says, sobriety has given me everything drugs and alcohol promised me. I just think that one is so, it's just such a powerful quote. And and it just, it, it's true. I love that. Yeah, stick with it. What did drug and alcohol promise you? Me, it was like a shit. Allowed myself to be myself. I thought, in a way. So I've I've worn masks most of my life, so hiding my feelings, my real feelings from other people. You know, not letting people get close. And when I got to a certain stage of being drunk, or with a certain amount of alcohol in me, I, that was sort of more opened up. I could be this jolly, silly guy. But then it would go too far, more often than not. So, yeah, but that's also something that's taken me even longer to realize that I can be that person. Like, I don't have to be who I thought people thought I was, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. So being able to... I guess coming back to this word present, it's almost like drugs and alcohol promise that you could be yourself. You could be present in your body and with other people and, and connect with people. 
is almost yeah, what it sounds way. like, right? In, in a in a way, I guess you could, yeah, in mm-hmm. a way. But it's obviously it's the complete opposite. Of course, yeah. So that so that's what you said with the quote is sobriety has given me everything that drugs and alcohol promised. So there, yeah. yeah, so there was these, these things that, that we think we're going to get from drugs and alcohol and then they don't happen. But then once we get sober, they do. So mm. can you talk about those promises that you thought you were getting from drugs and alcohol and how has sobriety given you these things? So I guess another promise I think was it's the numbing of of negative feeling is if I feeling was feeling depressed or something like that. Oh, I get drunk and I feel happy. Yeah, I might get a bit jolly uh, up until a certain point, but then it comes back with a vengeance, and then you lose impulse control, and all of a sudden you, you know, I don't know, trying to kill yourself, but you just stood somewhere crying, you know, uncontrollably in the middle of town, um, you know, those kinds of things. So I don't know. I, I wouldn't say it even worked to an extent, but. And that was the thought behind it, because that's you know what we've been, what we see in in I think a lot in in TV and and movies and media. So oh, your girlfriend or your boyfriend broke up with you. Oh, let's go have some wine. Let's go get drunk and have fun. Or you're stressed or you are overworked. Oh, you know, have a drink. Or you can't sleep. Have a drink. Yeah, have have a have an eye cap or something like that. And we're being fed this false representation of alcohol. I think through pretty much everything um that we um that we take in so it could yeah it can be like promise you in that way it can promise you a good night's sleep which yeah you might fall asleep but it's a very disturbed and and not a very good quality sleep that we get when we have alcohol in us as you probably know um yeah you can forget about your partner dumping you up until maybe glass number three and then you sat there sobbing in the wine and so right yeah yeah so with alcohol numbing feelings what's coming up for me is it's this avoidance of being able of being present with those yeah. feelings yeah and when you numb some feelings you just numb all of them right we can't yeah. selectively numb certain ones that we don't like yes yeah so to transition here into kind of being a present parent, you know, mm. prior to to sobriety, there's this this numbing that happens. If you could talk about your journey in maybe having trouble being present and how have you been able to become more present in your life and in maybe your relationship with your daughter? Before I was drinking, I, well, when I was drinking, I wasn't going to therapy or you know, dealing with my problems. I was pushing them down, thinking I was managing them, but I was pretty much feeling like shit um, most of the time because of these things. Um, so obviously the, the incident when I, uh, four years ago that made me start realize that I had these problems still that needed to be dealt with that then led me to therapy. And therapy that's given me so much. Um, I have a wonderful therapist. I love her to bits, and she's helped me so so much. Just realizing that yeah, to love myself, number one, you know that I have to offer myself love. I can't offer it. You know, we have to love ourselves to be able to 
you know, love others. And I realized that it's okay to love myself. Um, so okay to prioritize myself um, and my needs, um, emotional needs or um, need to be be alone, for example. So I, I, I'm one that quite enjoy my own company, um, which is why I love being out in nature by myself. And uh, I feel so that sort of decompresses me and, and disconnects me with everything. But um, so through that, instead of, yeah, um, not, I wouldn't call it drinking my problems away, but because it wasn't necessarily that what I was doing, but it was definitely an element of that. If I did drink, it was sort of part of it, part of the package. So, so coming out from that is, yeah, it's forced me to be present with the feelings that I've got because, or that I'm carrying because going to therapy. And if you're not in touch with those feelings, then you might as well just throw the money out the window. You won't get anything out of it. You won't help. So it forced me to be present in that way. And, and in being present in that way has led me to be more present in other areas of life, like as, as a parent and, and focus on, on my daughter when I'm with her and really take, be very conscious of, of the way I interact with her. And that when I'm with her, I'm spending time with her, put my phone away as much as possible, even though it is distracting and, you know, it, sometimes it's easy to to reach for that i think that's one of the probably one of the biggest distractors that we have as parents today is probably our phones yeah we um, talked about that before yeah, we yeah. before we recorded uh, yeah. that issue with the phone yeah and it's difficult they're designed for it so they're meant to be distracting and to keep us scrolling or to keep us using it so they're designed exactly for that by experts so yeah of course it's going to have a whole yeah. Yeah, they knew um, what they were doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, that's how they make their money. So Right. Um, but yeah, it's just sort of it's it's hard to explain really. It's just really made me more I don't know how to explain it. Like more devoted, more I guess interested as well. More interested in, in being being there. And I'm not sort of sat, you know, mulling away on something some negative feelings and negative thoughts while I'm with her, but I'm I'm with her. I'm I'm here, all of me. Uh, whether we like a, like you said in the the intro, whether we're dancing in the shop or if we're out in the woods looking for fairies and mushrooms and and plants <laughs> and you know just really living in the moment, and and it sort of has an, a ripple effect, especially with my daughter, because I learned so much from her about life. Kids in general, if you want to learn about life, just spend time with kids, play. Oh, yeah, your your, yeah. your life will be so much better. Yeah, just their their curiosity and their excitement about everything they see and everything that's new is something that I think a lot of a lot of us adults we lose growing up. And get some of that back. It's a lot easier to be present because everything is so much more fun. Yeah, they're great teachers, aren't they? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure I've learned more about life from her than I've taught her about life. I'm wondering if you relate to this. Sometimes in the past, I've struggled with, you know, what do I do with my kid? Right, my mm -hmm. my two. They're they're four and two, and 
I noticed that some of the, some of the best days we have is when I let them take the lead because yeah. they've got the ideas. So, oh, yeah, yeah. so I don't know if that's something that you've struggled with. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And, and I guess, how do you, how do you start to, how do you start to play? How do you start to let yourself go and even allow yourself to play? I, I, I honestly can't remember how it happened because I used to be very quite worried about, oh, what would they think, you know, other shoppers or, you know, people outside, what would they think? Even though I, I didn't think I cared that much about other people's opinion, but evidently I did quite a lot. So um, it was just like something clicked for me, um, you know, pulling silly faces. I guess this, it might have just started quite, started gently with pulling you know, uh, faces at each other in the shop or something, and then just eventually just, yeah, turn out in all our disco singing. And then so of the mindset, the mindset of it, you know, the, it's, it's me and her. It's our little world. We're creating something fun. Like if, if whoever is in the shop want to have a, you know, want it to be you know, a boring old weekly shop, because they're not fun. It's not fun doing grocery shopping. Uh, unless you're in a different country and everything is new and in a different language, but uh, yeah, just yeah, making life more fun. I think that's yeah. sort of what I've learned from from spending time with with her. And I did some uh, volunteering at her school uh, last year. They had like an outdoors, they call it forest school. So I volunteered there every Wednesday while that was going on. And so I had you know twenty four or five girls around me. They all wanted to play. So you just got to get, yeah, just get to their level and, and, and just have fun. Get muddy, get, get in. <laughs> to, to backtrack a little bit, what I'm hearing from you as well is that it sounds like it started with learning to love yourself. Yes. It started with you learning to love yourself. Sounds like that helped you to become more present. And just be, I mean, I also got this image of you and her in the grocery store that was almost like empty. It was like almost like nobody else exists. Yeah. I felt like yeah. I got this image of, of you with her and, and there's nothing else in existence besides the two of you. In, yeah. In a way, of course, I'm, you know, I'm aware of, you know, potential, you know, if, if some, if there's any danger or, you know, traffic outside or something like that, I'm not. You know, completely away with the fairies, but yeah. So I'm still keeping an eye on that. So you know, keeping it safe. But yeah, loving myself or having a more fulfilling relationship with myself, you know, will, has allowed me to have a more loving and fulfilling relationship with my daughter and with with other people around me, friends, parents, my my mum and dad, uh, with everyone. Um, so that, I think that's that's why I want to so focus on that with my coaching because. I can help it's so we can I can help more more people through one then so say a, a parent of you know a mum or a dad of one two ten doesn't matter how many kids but if they have a good relationship to them with themselves chances are they're going to have a great relationship with their kids you know and you know how wonderful is that and yeah. I also think someone who loves themselves and and you know, have that good relationship with themselves. They won't need drugs and alcohol. You know, I don't think you'll find anyone who's who's an alcoholic or have an alcohol problem who loves themselves. Right. So, 
Yeah. Yeah. It's that, yeah. that aspect too. Yeah. And I, um, <laughs> I, 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 I figured you were definitely aware of what was going on, but it was just this image of like, you know, still, yeah. it was a beautiful yeah. image. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I knew you were aware and that, that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just thought I'd point you, it out did, just in didn't, case. Didn't, didn't think you were completely with the fairies, right? No. no, no. <laughs> so, not, um, not yeah, if you could, if you could talk about, you know, you, you mentioned coaching. That's where I was was going to go next. And mm. maybe we could end with one or two tips that you would tell a parent who wanted to to start coaching in regards to either sobriety or, you know, becoming a more present present parent. Mm. I guess how would that process start with with somebody who maybe wanted to work with you? Well, first of all, I don't the first thing I would I don't think I would say anything at all. The first, first of all, to them, if I could speak to a parent or someone who wants to have a more loving relationship with themselves, or in, or you know, parenting or whatever it is, I'd listen to what they have to say. First of all, because I think that's that's the that's the key for us, or you know, to be able to understand someone and and really be there for them. Secondly, if in regards to were you thinking like reaching out and and getting if someone was interested in being coach or being a client or yes did you to think in broad terms um just send me a message on instagram if easiest or an email um i can provide you with that for you or do you do show yes notes? yes i will so put, that put that in the show there. notes um, yeah you did send me your info so i'll go ahead and put that in the show notes yeah you just put, yeah just reach out and say you know, hello i'm such and such and i was wondering if you had you know, you know you're worded one way or another just say hi that's all you yeah. need to say and then we'll take it from there um so it, it will start with just like an initial free call it chemistry call just to see if we're a good fit me and and a potential client because uh, you know I, I might not be the right one for you listening right now but uh, maybe i can uh, maybe i know someone who is or so it's important to have that yeah, just see how, how how we feel talking together. If you have Great. good chemistry, if not, it's not gonna work. Yeah. Um yeah. in regards to just tips with presents and things like that, try putting your phone away out of sight, uh ideally. Just even for 15 minutes, if you can do that, set an alarm, put it in a drawer, and just get it out on the floor and play with kids till the alarm goes off. It's it feels weird in the beginning if you used to having it there. But eventually you'll forget about it and you'll be in the moment. And that's when magic happens. Great. I love I love that. 15 minutes, put it away in another room. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And sometimes um, you know, our kids, they just need time, love and attention. And and just 15 minutes a day or even five minutes, you know, it's a good start. And if you're there wholeheartedly, all of you, 100 percent, that has a huge that's more more of an impact than 50% of you for an hour. Mm. So like you could imagine with a friend, if you're having a conversation with a friend, if if you, I don't know, if you're out for lunch for an hour and they're checking their phone every five minutes, so how, how does that feel? So, but if you were sat there having a good talk with them for 15 minutes, how much more rewarding that would be and how much more fulfilling it would be. So. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. 
Before you go, please subscribe and leave a five-star written review. Reviews help boost my ratings, which helps other parents in recovery find my show. If you're interested in emotional sobriety coaching, please reach out and schedule a call. Check out the show notes for my contact info and social links. Don't forget to like, follow, and share with a friend. I'm super excited to know this podcast is helping you. Tune in Thursdays for the latest episode. I'll see you back here on your next target run. Until next time. This podcast is produced by Bob Sloan Audio Productions. We are stronger than we think we are. So fight and show your strength. Good and grace from our God. Good and grace from our God. Good and grace from our God. Oh, good and grace from our God.